Welcome to Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. This podcast started with me just kind of interviewing my friends, and now we're at a point where I'm interviewing people who inspire me. Every week you are going to hear how someone else identifies with the feeling of not fitting in and success. So let's just hop into the episode and thank you for all of your continued support. Hey weirdos, I want to share something with you I've been doing for a couple of months now. It is called Forbidden Bingo with my friend, DJ Rockstar Aaron. We are both from Denver. Uh, Great human. Something that they put on virtually out of the kindness of their heart every week. And I'm just going to start by saying it's 18 plus, just so you know. Um, but it's Forbidden Bingo. Forbidden Bingo is so much fun. You can play it in person if you live in Colorado or if it plays other places, or you can play it virtually online every Thursday at 7 p.m. Pacific. Wow, I'm bad at time zones. But you know what? Just go to ForbiddenBingo.com, grab your tickets, and tell DJ Rockstar Aaron and Rich and all the other people that are playing that I sent you. That's ForbiddenBingo.com and unofficially, officially sponsors this podcast. Oh my goodness, I am so excited to announce that of merch, it is my 90s fantasy, and I just have to say thank you to my friend, dear, dear friend, Lara, who is the second guest ever of my podcast. We just celebrated one year of the podcast. We now have a lovely website. She helped me help computer, uh, and uh, so if you want to live your 90s fantasy, we've got mugs, we've got blankets, we've got fanny packs, we're, we're working on a denim jacket. There's a lot. There's a lot going on. So go to please don't kick me slash shop and buy some merch, y'all. Aloha, listeners. This week's episode features Brandon Schwitty, aka, well, it's Brandon Schwitter, but he goes by B Schwitty. So you can see why I would say B Schwitty. Uh, he is the co host of the Namely 90s podcast, which is everything I love. As you know, my branding is all 90s. I'm a child of the 90s. I was born in 1989, as was Brandon. It's a real fun conversation. We also talk about wine, which I refer to as grapes in a glass. If you like what you're hearing, Give us a like, rate, and subscribe if you're coming through um, Brandon's channels. Nice to meet you. We are the podcast about imposter syndrome, and I hope you love, you excuse me, enjoy the episode. Mahalo, and thanks for listening. Hey, how's it going? Uh, not bad. How are you? <laughs> uh, I'm good. I'm not sure how it's Tuesday, and then I don't know. I felt like a Monday of Tuesdays, but overall, you know, it's Groundhog Day. What what even makes sense anymore, right? Yeah, uh, you know, I, I now refer to it as Palm Springs. Was that the movie that, oh, that yeah. came out recently? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yes. absolutely. Um, to my listeners, this is, of course, please don't kick me out. The lovely podcast about imposter syndrome. And the awesome voice you're hearing on the other end is uh, Brandon. Brandon, take it away. Your elevator pitch, your 30,000 foot overview, who you are, what you do, etc. cetera. Uh, hi, everyone. My name is Brandon Schwitter, or on the internet, I'm known as B. Schwitty. And um, I'm a former assistant winemaker, currently working on a winemaking certificate and uh, starting a personal label. Um, I, I'm a podcast host uh, or co-host for the show Namely 90s, which comes out every Monday. And I also am a YouTuber for my wine edutainment series called Rewine, which you can find at rewindshow.com. I love it. And I love your voice. You have a very good bo- voice for po- podcasting boys. I appreciate it. It's soothing. I could listen to you. Like I could listen to you if you like did meditation apps, but I'm really excited because um, being a child of the nineties, growing up in the nineties, um, that was really what brought you my radar. In fact, I guess I asked to be a beanie baby expert after a couple of probably rosé, rosé glasses or something, <laughs> but, but you guys do, you have a really good kind of camp. Your, your uh, chemistry together is really good. And, and then what you're doing for the wine stuff's awesome. I used to work for a small winemaker in Denver, Colorado called Deep Roots, and they would source their grapes. And um, I, I really appreciate wine. I love wine, um, but I don't know anything about it. <laughs> It's uh, grapes well, in a glass. <laughs> that, that's uh, that's one of the point. That's one of the reasons why I started rewind back in the day was to to make wine more accessible to just 
everyone because people seem to think of it as this like guarded institution that you have to know something about to enjoy and it's really not you just uh it's it's simple and it is there's a lot to it you know mm -hmm. it's it's um but there's to enjoy it you just have to to start trying it and yeah yeah it, it, i definitely there's definitely times i can like tell okay that's got tannins that's got sulfates like this is like i'm turning red like probably not what the wine <laughs> for me um but yesterday um i decided to drink boxed rosé and be sad in my feelings for the whole ah. day and then i felt like poop today so maybe we shouldn't do that anymore i'm telling no. you that um but i'm a i'm a i mean you're kind of getting to know me i'm getting to know you i am a yes. military spouse i live in san diego uh, i've been podcasting for a year thank you for being on the podcast and i um i really do appreciate um anything nostalgia so that's really what the yep. radar came on and i i, 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 like I believe you you slid into the dms by saying uh i know a lot about beanie babies uh we should we should do something <laughs> if you ever need a beanie baby expert uh, i'm your person and my yeah yeah uh, you know i i was i was ready to jump on it but i i, I have to say um we had Kathy Zora from uh, History of the '90s on, and the the first thing that I listened to her podcast about was uh, on her episode on Beanie Babies. So uh, yeah. I, I think it was at that I was a little Beanie Babied out at that point. So oh, I'm always Beanie Babied out. I I don't know. My mom's kept them, and it's like, did your? I mean, I don't know if you were older in the '90s or what, but my mom thought that they were gonna like more like remortgage our house and Beanie yeah. Baby collect and. Teeny the, beanies I, and all of that. As so, I I was born in '89, so Same. both yeah, so yeah, we we both probably had that feeling where like every beanie baby I buy is going to be like ten thousand dollars in the future. And did you did you ever buy those magazines that listed the current price? Oh, prices? of course, of course. And then my mom went to London and she got Diana the Diana Bear, and that was the most expensive one, of course. And I had two of them because my sister had one. Ooh. And, uh, and then when I first started getting Beanie Babies, I used to take the tags off. And then oh, no. I found out you're not supposed to do that. Um, and so uh, my first Beanie Baby ever was a fox. And I bought it up at Hunt's Drugstore in Rochester, Minnesota. I got it there. And then my, I think my mom was, I don't remember why. I think like I was like my allowance or something. I was allowed to like pick something out. And it was like, I think I got it for like $4. They were not very expensive if I can recall at, at first. And then they started like going up like the stock market. Yeah. Um, and then I got a bear, the, the black bear with the, with the things, uh, the eyebrow thingies. Then I got, I think a zebra or something. And then it just like, my mom would go and get beanie, ba like while we were at school, my mom was a stay at home mom. Like she would go get beanie babies. Oh, like, I, oh my gosh. <laughs> see, for me, the, cause I also, I, I also collected beanie babies as a kid and, I, uh, they're all in a box in storage somewhere. But uh, yes, uh, Diana, uh, the Diana bear, I actually had to go to like this little Beanie Baby trade show that was like, <laughs> uh, yeah, that it was like set up in a parking lot uh, somewhere. And I was like, that Diana bear, I need it. And it was, I think I purchased it for $30. And I don't Whoa. think I could sell it for $30 at this point. Because they were they were going for like 300 Like that was like the very expensive. Um, but speaking of Princess Diana, um, uh, I, my mom was obsessed with Princess Diana, as many women in the 90s, maybe many of our moms were. Oh, oh yeah. I, I bought mom, my mother yeah. uh, the Princess Diana um, the perfume for Mother's Day one. Oh, wow. One, one year. Sorry, go oh my, ahead. Oh my goodness. No, I didn't even know there was a perfume and if I got to find it now and get it for my mom. But my mom grieved it for a whole month, couldn't get oh. out of bed. Wow. It was a little dramatic if you're asking me, but my, and I'm like, <laughs> you didn't even know her. Like, yeah. and now with all this royal stuff coming out, it's like, um, okay, like, did we not learn anything by this famous car crash in media? Like, let's be careful. Right. Um, but anyway, I, I like this. I like this podcast because it allows people to kind of normalize the feeling that everyone feels where it's like, do I fit in? You know, am I doing the right thing in my career? Like what's happening? Um, so I started this podcast when I got laid off last year um, after being a marketing director for, for 10 years, I got laid off. And um, I always wanted to talk into a microphone and no one's told me to stop. So let's start with the first question, which is, do you feel like you have it all figured out? Uh, you know, I, I definitely thought I did at one point, but, um, the pandemic hit and, and things happened. And I, again, I, I'm back to that feeling of not, not feeling like I have everything figured out. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's, I, I've, 
left my job right before the pandemic kind of uh, really closed everything down. And um, it's it's kind of, it's been, I've been in the wind. I've been floating for, for about a year at this point. I decided to go back and get a, a winemaking certificate from UC Davis because mm-hmm. um, I, I started out as a, a aerospace engineering student at Cal Poly. And on the weekends, I was pouring wine uh, for a local winery. And eventually, I started to realize that I enjoyed wine more than I enjoyed doing my engineering studying. So mm-hmm. I started looking into becoming a sommelier. And then uh, the, the, the owner of the place I was working at kind of noticed that I was really getting into to wine and offered me a position in the cellar as the assistant winemaker, which I definitely was not uh, qualified for at that point, but there was an open position. They had, um, they had a need of one for harvest and I was pretty cheap. So uh, that's where I got my start. I called myself a um, apprentice winemaker for three, three years or so before I really felt comfortable saying I'm the assistant winemaker at that job. So, um, yeah, even then I, I was still kind of coming into to being confident in my own wine skills. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's 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 funny when you're younger, like you're you project a lot of confidence. You think you know a lot of things, and then you don't. But my dad actually went to UC Davis. Um, my dad's biggest regret: he was an engineer. Actually, my dad's a hardware engineer. He works on flash drives. And uh, my dad, um, bless him, love him. He, uh, he, his, he, my dad used to love wine. Um, my parents have in their older age become teetotalery. Um, but my dad used to, he used to plant the wine fields during the summer wow. to, to pay for college. Cause back then this the seventies and a different time, but he regrets not going to, um, you know, the, using that program to make wine. Cause it's one of the best in the, in the entire, um, nation absolutely and yeah. uh and, and i um, he's like i kind of wish i did but then but then my dad would say that and he would drink carlo rossi <laughs> and then it from there he like would drink that one for a while and then he changed his mind and you'd get magnum bottles of something else and like my earliest memories are like going to the to the um going to the uh, liquor store with my dad and i liked going with him and my sister and i would fight over it because whoever got to go got a dum-dum from the from like liquor store, so I always we always fought on who got to go, and usually it was me because I I win. Um, but let's Back talk about just give children candy <laughs> at a liquor store. Oh, this this is peak nineties. Do you have anything like that from your like from that you can remember that you're like that probably wasn't okay. Uh, well, I mean, just from just how my my cousin and her kids, how like strict she is about you need to ride in this booster car seat in the back of the car uh, for <laughs> certain ages. And it's like, I feel like, I mean, I was, I was a taller child as a kid, but um, I was in the front seat way before it was appropriate for me to be in the front sitting in the car um, with no booster seat, et cetera. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. My mom had a uh, 1980 something. It was, it was an 84 because my sister was born in 85. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, and that, was before Honda was like airbags. And so we would sit in the front seat. When I rode in my dad's car, my his Honda Accord, I would um, I would always be in a booster or a car seat until I was seven or eight. And then because like we'd be on longer road trips and that just like protected us. But then by the time um, my mom would just drive us down the road on black ice with a stick shift, like, and just, and she's not a great driver. And it's like, I, you didn't know what you didn't know back then, but my mom like even like told us like that they didn't have cars didn't used to have seatbelts, and I was like, what? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, so it's just kind of I mean I love the nostalgia of it, and then right before we press record, I was telling you that I was um on a clubhouse, which I'm trying to get into clubhouse. I had a lot of fun where we were talking about '90s, uh, '90s or talking about nostalgia, but we were talking about Nickelodeon versus Disney. Mm-hmm. And just like what, like what movies were good, what shows were good, how do we feel about that? And um, it seemed like the consensus from people was that you know Nickelodeon was the best as far as TV channel wise. Oh, the nineties. Yeah, yeah. The Disney Channel, um, and I apologize if you hear my dog. My friend brought her other dog over while she's tattooing, and I had to. I'm watching him, and my dog is acting like he's never seen another dog. Um, oh, 
So, uh, yeah, but like, we're, but we were, we were all agreed that like Disney channels made two movies were terrible, but we hate watched them. In the, I mean, there were only like three <laughs> Disney channel movie, original movies I could remember that actually were in the nineties. Yeah. They were kind of like, um, on the late, like the tail end. And, uh, so, so it was just fun. And so that's why I just really like to like nostalgia and kitsch, but in general, like my style is like, I never, it's like Lisa Frank and like Lisa Frank <laughs> and then um, Miss Frizzle had a baby and then you add glitter to it and that's how I dress and and I'm like I'm like I dress like Clarissa explains it all except for a lot weirder um, I mean that's that's pretty cool I Cl- Clarissa explains it all was was kind of one of the best shows on Nickelodeon in my oh, developmental years one chef's kiss 100 percent although 100 for me personally it's the adventures of Pete and Pete like that was the first show that really like hit me personally and I again we're the same age so like we were uh, we were probably like four or five during that mm-hmm. that run mm-hmm. and but it's like it is the most indie like art style uh tv series that's also just a kid's show that uh i can think of like it was indie hipster cool before that was even a thing like oh, yeah. grunge, grunge yeah. was still in its like heyday at that point oh and, absolutely absolutely and, and you and i could probably talk for hours that's how like that's not when you when you like the nostalgia of it and i there's this, this uh i don't know if you're a single type person or, or whatnot but uh, my husband and I are two years apart. And so because we're two years apart, like we mm-hmm. still have that age gap of familiarity, um, like where he can recall, cause we were in high school at the same time. So he can like recall like, oh, remember this trend or that. So it's nice when you kind of talk among peers and you're the same age. It's weird when I talked to my, like my one friend, Shelby, like her frame of reference is, um, first of all, she said that high school musical was iconic and I'd never seen it. I was 30 <laughs> years old when she showed me it. She was singing the songs. And I was, cause I was in college. I was, I was, I was in high school. I was in college. I didn't have time to watch that stuff anymore. I was uh, trying to like move on in life. Yeah. High school musical came out. I, I remember it was senior year of, uh, of, of high school for me. And I was a, um, a, a freshman welcome, uh, person so we we had to teach the freshmen a dance and we were doing a high school musical dance and I'm like what is high school musical <laughs> and like all everyone around me is like how do you not know what high school musical is I'm like I I listen to Modest Mouse and Pearl Jam I don't I don't think I'm gonna be watching Disney Channel at this point anymore and uh you know it was they're like but we need to connect to these fre- connect with these freshmen who are four years younger or three years younger than us and we're just like I don't understand why we're doing this and, oh uh, yeah when she said iconic I was like okay here's what I think iconic is I was like you know Lizzie McGuire Clarissa like yeah. the, my the, the the things of the 90s for me I was like I would you, you I would honestly never sit high school musical wouldn't even make it into the cut Mostly like, because it was the mid 2000s when that right. came out. Right. Oh yeah. yeah, and weird stuff came out. So let's just hop into the elephant in the room. I'm going to ask it verbatim. Um, okay. uh, your definition of imposter syndrome. Do you feel like you fit in or suffer from imposter syndrome? In what ways? And what does imposter syndrome mean to you? Okay. Well, uh, the, as I, I went down these questions, I, I kind of thought about it beforehand, and it was just like I I know I definitely suffer from from imposter syndrome and. Um, to me, imposter syndrome is like, uh, or just in general, to me, knowledge is power. Uh, since a, since a kid, I always believed in, in knowledge and truth and, and that, that was what is important in the world. And, um, like I, I am someone who left one field with an incomplete degree and jumped into being an assistant winemaker, um, from being an engineering student and who was just pouring in a tasting room. And, uh, you know, I learned a lot firsthand, but I also felt like I didn't have any formal training to, to be what I was at the time. And I guess to me, that's what imposter syndrome is. It's you don't feel like you are deserving of, of where you are and, um, what that constant fear that someone is going to call you on, on that fact. Yeah, absolutely. And I, um, I heard you kind of have a little bit of imposter syndrome earlier when you were talking about like the the fact that you couldn't even say like assistant you know, like assistant winemaker, like you didn't, similar to you, I didn't, up until about two months ago, I wouldn't have called myself a podcaster. 
I just said, I said, I have a podcast. And now when people ask me what I do, I said, I have, I host a podcast about, please don't kick me out. Don't ever ask anyone who has a podcast, uh, anything else. It's like being a vegan or whatever. They're never going to stop talking about it. Um, but I'm at a place kind of, I was reading your, your, um, I was reading some of your response where you're talking about like, just like you, you're asking these people to like be on your podcast. And then like, it's like, they, they actually humble you with their time, but really they just genuinely wanted to be on the podcast. And it's the feeling of like, Oh, like this is big. And I like, I don't know, do I deserve it? Like, there's there's lots of things that I've I've felt with it as well and um something I've had to learn is that like you know I, I, if you've done it I've had done 52 episodes as of this week I think this is my 53rd episode so that's one episode a week for a whole year congratulations thank you um and uh I guess it's just like it's kind of funny because when I started the podcast like, I didn't I didn't think anyone was going to listen to it so Wow, pot meat kettle. The uh, the, the uh, podcast about imposter syndrome was actually, you know, the person who obviously started it has it. But what I've learned over time is that everyone has this feeling a little bit to a certain degree. Um, and I like the, the sore thumb comp concept of trying to find if you're in a room full of people and you're feeling wildly anxious and uncomfortable and not sure if you're meant to be there, find the other sore thumb. That's what I do. And then, and then I feel a little like I can commiserate with them and we can, and then you both realize you feel the same way. So. Yeah. And, and you brought up, uh, so you, you, you mentioned a part in my, my interview or typed out response. I, on, on our podcast, Amy nineties, we did a, a big Christmas special that we called the 12, uh, 12 days of Christmas specials where, uh, we wanted to do 12 episodes to fill in that that lull, that gap that happens during the holiday season uh, where po normal podcasts take a break. We thought we should just do daily episodes for 12 days straight for, and um, to reward the, the, the few people that were listening to us at the time and to kind of give back to the community. So my, my big idea was every episode should have a guest on it and that they should be other podcasters from just the indie podcasting community like ourselves. And, um, but it was like, we're, we're nobodies. I, I don't know who would actually want to be on our show. Uh, and like why uh, before actually reaching out to these people, it was uh, because we'd never had guests on before. I, I didn't understand that everyone in our pocket in just in podcasting in general is so happy to just jump on another show and talk and uh, help cross promote and mm -hmm. uh, lift, yep. lift each other up. And um that was something that as someone that again we didn't don't we didn't do guests uh so it was it was so nice to just to see the response that i would have when i would like slide into those twitter dms and be like hey uh we have this crazy idea where we're gonna do uh we're gonna watch a 90s episode of television holiday a holiday special and uh, talk about it on our podcast um yeah. would you would you want to be on and it, it, there was so much positive response to that, that I was able to not only meet my goal of like, I think I wanted maybe eight episodes to have, have guests. We had guests for every single day. And yeah. um, it was, it was amazing. It was, it was really rewarding to, to kind of, like, like you said, the sore thumbs sticking together. Oh, yeah. But... Yeah. And I, I, um, it was, yeah it was such a privilege for me to finally, like, I get asked to be guests on things a lot now, and I didn't used to. And, um, I, I use matchmaker, um, dot FM, which is uh, through podcast co, but I don't use podcast co. I use anchor.fm. And, uh, and I've used it. I used to produce a podcast for my old work. So I I've used it forever. And, um, I, I really like it. It's, it can be a little clunky, but sometimes I'll like have a guest on and they're talking about their podcast and they have like a billion, billion streams. And it's like, oh shoot, like I have 4,600. But then I think about it and I'm like 4,600 in a year. Yes. I have an audience size of 71 estimated. That's crazy. That's really cool actually. Yeah, that, that is, that is super cool. Like uh, we just, I think we just hit our 3000 mark last month. Nice, uh, congratulations guys. Thank you. We, um, we, we yeah. started at the end of last May, so. Yeah. Um, but it, as, as you get more listeners, it kind of, it does kind of, um, snowball. And, it gets, um, it can be overwhelming. Yes, absolutely. And, um, also I, um, one of my like bread and butter things is I like, I interview, um, LGBTQIA plus community as well as share trans voices and, um, drag Queens. Like so, um, that's like one thing of fandom I like, and then that's awesome. 
then, but then on the other hand, I also um, will get people who love Disney and like that kind of stuff. And then like, we just, you know, basically kick it out. And so it's, it's, uh, it's been a labor of love and it's really exciting, but, but I, um, I get what you mean, like, because the indie podcast network, like we definitely, um, like the ones that like, aren't, you know, syndicated on like a national network and they're not, they're not part of Conan and whatever. <laughs> um, like we have to stick together. And so I try, I try my best to cross collaborate whenever I can, but it's, it's always special when it's some, it's something that works out. Like my friend, Mike Bell does, who has child like at best where you review, you review cereal from your childhood and, and you talk about the night. I mean, it was just that this is the kind of stuff, the stuff you're doing, the kind of stuff that I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm just, I'm finally, I'm at a point where I don't have to interview life coaches all the time. <laughs> Uh, so um, just to, to share one more thing from our mm -hmm. Christmas specials, um, I mentioned earlier our Beanie Baby uh, specialist, uh, Kathy Kinzora. Um, sh she was from a podcast called History of the 90s, and her previous podcast like was number one on the Canadian, uh, I don't know, nostalgia iTunes charts or something to that extent. So like landing her to come on to our podcast, and she was one of the first episodes that we reported for those um 12 specials and uh, that was the moment where I was like I I stopped experiencing the imposter syndrome where for podcasting um, yeah yeah and that, that was my moment where I kind of broke out of it thinking hey we're not just two people screaming into a microphone every every week and or sorry screaming into the void I yeah I, I, yeah I matched no, those two together. Uh, well I mean we are screaming into a microphone quite literally but uh I agree with you yeah that in every pod every small hobby podcaster usually has that aha moment like I've talked to multiple podcasters about it where they're like I, I don't know just something clicked and like then I don't feel as like weird asking anymore and I had to like, when I first started it, I had to beg my friends and herd them like cats. And it was a pandemic. We didn't know what we didn't know. And, you know, I'm at a point now, if I ask you once and then I, I get, and I get in contact with you, if you don't follow up with me, I'm not going to follow up with you. I don't have time. I moved on to the next thing. Like, and well, that's, that's well, where I'm, you get. I'm glad you circled back for us or, or allowed <laughs> us to circle back. To of course, you. of course. And I figure, I figure, you know, everyone's busy and I'm not paying people to do this. You know, you're not right. paying me to do this either. And that's the funny thing because like within the podcast world, podcaster to podcaster, we understand we're like, you're busy. Yeah. I'm busy. We're all busy. Well, yeah, that was the other thing. There are like, there are some people that I reached out to that like took like a week or two to get back to me and I'm like trying to get these these interviews done for uh so I could have a Christmas uh holiday break myself and uh you know I I may have started in November and was wanting to be done by early December but it it was I was just like okay I these people committed but then haven't gotten back to me in like a week or two what am I going to do and uh so yeah I was I was back then I felt a slave to their pressure but now it's like oh I did the exact same thing to you uh, for this interview because I it was over a month ago when you were like hey uh you should come on the on uh the podcast and I was like yeah that sounds great and then I was swamped with my my rewind which I was relaunching in February for uh I was doing five episodes a week for the entire month of February and I, I had no personal time. Yeah, so. well, I get it. I get it. And it's like this, what sometimes my guests, if they're not podcasters, they don't understand. I'm so sorry, listeners. Podcast to podcast. We're just going to talk a little podcast oh, yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Inside baseball. Inside sorry. baseball. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. So um, when I guess, it, okay, I um, to my listeners, and if you have been a guest and you are, episode is in the hopper, this is maybe about you or maybe not about you, but um, <laughs> you do not email me to follow up 35 times because I don't know when it's releasing. I release at whatever speed and frequency and when I want to. And I, I, I it's not that I'm, I tell them a six to nine week window and mm -hmm. then if you email me a week later wondering why your podcast not, is not there, <laughs> I'm just going to say, I'm good. Well, I'm going to slot you to the bottom, honestly. Yeah. It, it's... And, and I'm, I'm a petty person. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I mean, I appreciate it. I appreciate that they want to know and they're excited and they're buzzing about it. But I've already forgotten the interview. Like I'm like, boop, okay. Like mm -hmm. I'm on to the next thing. I forget about it. I, I only re-listen to them when I'm, when I'm, you know, 
packaging them and then I and then I'll spend time on it. So my goal is to have all of my podcasts completely finished before my husband gets back from deployment and then um, not not finished like I'm done with it, but I want to have enough episodes to get me all the way through us being in Newport, Rhode Island for a month and then us being uh, moving to Hawaii. I need to get us all the way through that and settled. Um, and so I've been kind I was stacking a lot of interviews. So I'm well, it'll be a mystery to me. What, what we talked about in January. I have no idea. That's, um, that's pretty, I mean, that's, that's the way to do it though. Like the, um, I, I watch on, on the YouTubes on, in my downtime, I, I watch Game Grumps and uh, they, they've been releasing an episode every day for the 30 minutes uh, episodes for the entire pandemic to kind of uh, help their audience out. Um, and it, it's like, I know that they've recorded this months in advance uh, and just have a backlog that their editors chop through. And um, it's like, I'm okay with it. I, I understand that like it, that you didn't just record it the, the day it came out or the day before, because uh, that's how digital media creation works. And yeah. it's, it's, it's still coming to you faster than say uh, new episodes of television during the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. And we're kind of talking about success and um, you know, we, I think we, I think you've touched on imposter syndrome. I, I like your take on it. Um, I appreciate that. Uh, let's talk about success. I like this because everyone qualifies success differently. Like what, looks successful to me might not look successful to you but might look different to the other person so what does success look like to you and do you feel successful uh okay so that is a great question i think i should first talk about like how i used to focus on success um as a when i was younger in my 20s uh or even in my teens i i used to think that success is like being famous or memorable like the idea that i could that I could live beyond my own self and like leave a lasting impact with people or even on the world. That's, mm -hmm. that's what inspired me to be an uh, aerospace engineer. And then that's what gave me, I kind of went through um, a existential crisis when I was in college because halfway through my education, I realized that I'm not going to be working on like something cool for space to, to help advanced humanity into the stars no i'm probably uh going to end up being a drone that makes uh missile rockets or something like that's that's what my contribution is going to be and then i start <laughs> thinking is that is that worth it is that what i want to do with my future um and and then uh, at some point i eventually had an i i got a sandwich named after me at a local deli um wow which, flex <laughs> yeah yeah Be before i was 30 i was very proud of that um that's that was hope that's on your resume i hope that's on the resume in the top of your resume you know it i i always at least put it in the the special notes at the bottom um <laughs> yeah the it's but like that that was that was a example of what i used to consider success and um it, it's like an idea of that you you have a lasting impact that that people know your name that you you've become famous when when things are named after you um but now now success is a little bit more introspective for me uh first and foremost to me it means that you have enough money to live comfortably and provide for yourself and those uh, you care about yeah and uh because i think it's important that you should be able to at least live um get like these days, it, it it's getting harder and harder to just be able to just be an average uh, Joe and live and not worry where your next paycheck is coming from uh, from day to day. So, success is being able to to, to provide for yourself. And I don't have a family; I'm single, uh, personal right now. But um, the the care for yourself and others part um, I, might be might be a little bit tied to, to toxic masculinity where a man has to provide for his family and whatnot. But uh, even if I was in a relationship or a marriage or whatnot, I would think that it, it would be an equal balance between the partnership, the being able to care for each other. Yeah. Um, and yeah. then uh, next, after you're able to take care of that, it means that you're happy and content with uh, with your life and proud of who what you who you are and what you're doing. Yeah, 
I like that. Um, and uh, something that I've always known in relationships is if money's a problem, it's always going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, my husband's uh, been in the Navy for 15 years and he's a Mustang. I don't know. So he, he's, he was prior enlisted for eight years and then he's been a commissioned officer since 2013. You're hearing me like question whether or not, but uh, my yeah, it's <laughs> hard these days. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've been together for four years. We've been almost married for we've been married for almost four years in October. Um, we and uh, I love him very very much, and I'm so I'm sad that he's gone. Right, he's deployed. I'm sad about it, but I'm mm. grateful that he's essential. And it's really hard to get fired out of the military. Like you have <laughs> that, to re- you have to really fuck up. You have to that, like really fuck up <laughs> where he's that, at. Does that mean you're like stationed at Myanmar? Is that, is that? Uh, no. Well, there, yeah, there are two bases. Well, there's three oh, right. bases in San Diego County. There, uh, there is Camp Pendleton, which is huge, um, which is a Marine base. There is 32nd Street. There, actually, there's four bases. Wow. There's Naval Street, uh, Naval Station San Diego, uh, which is um, on Coronado Island, mm-hmm. and that's mostly aircraft carrier and air and airplanes. And then my husband's at the 32nd Street, which is half of it is the yards where the ships can go and like die and be fixed or whatever <laughs> or light on fire like the bohemer shard uh, and uh and then uh, that's like where like they get ready for workups and then they deploy so he's been stationed at 32nd street base twice when he went to boot camp he then um came out of boot camp got stationed in san diego uh and then he got stationed in italy he's had a very privileged tour commissioned oh. and then he went to hawaii wow so hard <laughs> so hard buddy and we're basically just lapping his duty stations so he i met him in denver uh he was attached to a joint billet command of buckley air force base um working on communications which oh. my husband that's what he does he does information warfare so he and he does space stuff you know so that's he cool. and yeah he's a he's a really smart cookie but he just told me he wanted to join space force and i said no way um uh- See, I, I, I'll, you said San Diego and then Navy, so I, all I can think of is that uh, the volleyball scene and Top Gun for some reason. You know what's funny? Take take away my spousal card. I have never seen Top Gun start to finish, but I do know what the, that scene. Oh, so one of the one of my my friends, uh, one of the other winemakers up in in Paso Robles, uh, was former uh, Top Gun and uh, not only pilot but instructor for two tours, I believe nice and nice. so now now when anyone says navy i just immediately think uh they're uh, just basically uh, this per- well no just this person because uh <laughs> apparently when you're in top gun you can't rem- reference the movie or else you uh, <laughs> owe you owe like a keg of beer to the the current uh people in top gun that sounds like not that sounds like navy uh that yeah. sounds like the navy right then and there and you know and so my husband like whenever i'd come home with like problems at work he'd be like well did you just ask them to fuck off and i was like <laughs> no there's a thing called hr and i would get fired like that would yep. be really bad um but i love him he's he's gonna get out do something really cool and we're gonna live in hawaii for three years and uh, honestly after being in san diego for the two with this command and all everything that's happened there was an uh, aav accident attached to his command as well that nine no. people died and that was horrible um i'm just ready for him to be home so they're just floating around the sea somewhere and we're, we're less than 100 days and i'm excited about it but awesome. um i don't even know what got me on that tangent but I think, oh, but just the essential, the essentialness and the, and, the, and the needing to not want. And something that the pandemic has taught me is if you have food in your, a roof over your head, food in your belly, and you're finding a way to make income in some way, shape or form, whether it's through unemployment, whether it's through a gainfully employed job or the military, then, then you're doing pretty well. And then everything on top of that is just it's just cake on top. It's yeah, icing and cake. Yeah. And so um, I, I feel cake on top of it's, it's cake on top of icing, which we did that wrong, nailed it. Uh, so, um, so yeah, I, I like I like your definition of success, and I I currently like for me too. I feel most successful with my podcast or my accomplishments or whatever when someone tells me like that it changed, not necessarily changed them, but helped them understand like oh like I've I'm normal like I didn't have to feel alone anymore. I, I can talk about it and normalize it. So. Oh yeah, that's brilliant. I completely like that used to be one of my mantras. Like if I can just reach one person and uh like change them or uh, just inspire them in some small way uh that that is a measure of of success Um, yeah 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I believe we've touched on it. We can say goodbye to the elephant in the room, which is of course imposter syndrome. And I love this thing, like this portion of my podcast, because I love <laughs> to learn. So this is always, if I don't know this person, my guest personally, I can always like learn about their personality based on what they say. But uh, what is one or a few things you're fanatical about and why? Uh, well, I have a long list as you may see in front of you, but uh, mm -hmm. definitely Star Wars for sure. Um, I, I, I own a couple of expensive lightsabers uh, at the very least and may have been, uh, I may have had tickets to a celebration uh, in the Star Wars, a Star Wars celebration in Los Angeles last year, except it ended up uh, being canceled due to- uh, Of course. Yeah. Uh, so that was the first year I was gonna go, but I, I was I was finally accepted enough of my, my nerdiness that I would, I would go to one of those. Um, I also like the Marvel Cinematic Universe because like WandaVision for the last couple, nine, 10 weeks has been an amazing gift back to people just stuck at home watching <laughs> streaming services. Uh, I'm an old school Nintendo fan. Uh, I've been playing, I've been playing since the Nintendo Entertainment System. I had an OG Game Boy. Oh, um, so did I. <laughs> yeah, uh, I also, Doctor Who, uh, Looking around my room, uh, Power Rangers, uh, I, I, I enjoy. I mean, I haven't watched the Power Rangers series in a few years, but uh, I, I did, I think it was like three or four years ago, I went back and just kind of on Netflix, just put it on when I came home, uh, to just to say I've watched every Power Rangers episode. Um, and also Star Trek, because my, my dad was a Trekkie. And uh, given the time that we grew up, it, Next Generation was on and all like Star Trek had a revival during the 90s. And uh, also disc golf, I play Frisbee golf, which I have a tea time for later this evening. Oh, well, nice. Well, I won't keep you forever, but uh, I've got some things to say, obviously. So yeah. I knew my husband was uh, a nerd uh, when <laughs> I walked into his bathroom and there was a TARDIS on my wall. Or on the on the shower curtain and it's 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 really cool oh, it's like shower a, curtain yeah no it's really cool it's like this um he got he, he's um it's like watercolor splatter over the tardis and it's done really really nicely so like if you don't really notice it like it's just a phone booth and you're like that's cool but if you know then you're like oh that's is really rad like that's so cool right. um and uh my husband uh is into um He's into like he's also into Marvel and stuff. I'm I'm holding off on, I'm holding off on Wandavision so that he oh, has something to watch. And then that, I and then he call. told me that they've been they got bootleg copies on the ship and they've been watching Ooh. it. And I was like, how rude. And I was like, so uh okay. And then I still um I'm a Mandalorian. I still haven't watched the last episode because I don't want to cry. Yeah. Um, so I've heard. But Power Rangers, my friend, my friend Ivan, used to be the Blue Ranger on the touring show. And he just told me that like the Blue Ranger, because he was gay, mm -hmm. the just came out that the Blue, Blue Ranger, Ranger yeah. was actually gay in general. Yeah. And so uh and and, but, harassed on set from what, what it was a it was a time it was the and, 90s. Yeah. yeah. And also like when you were on the playground when you were a girl and you wanted to play Power Rangers, mm -hmm. you either got to be the Yellow Ranger or the Pink Ranger, and that was it. And yellow is my favorite color, and everyone always wanted the pink ranger, so I was fine. Nice. Um, but uh, which which one did you play? Uh, for me, I was, I, I'm with my revisionist history, I would say the Red Ranger because uh, he's my favorite now, but back then it was definitely like green or white Ranger, Tommy, Tommy's yeah. character. Yeah. Uh, he was the coolest. Um, you know, fun fact about the Yellow Ranger, the original Yellow Ranger She's is dead. that, She's dead. The, well, that's not a fun fact. <laughs> that's that's not, a, I didn't mean to say that. Oh no, I'm That's so a sorry. deceased fact. Oh no, I'm, I'm going to get canceled. Uh, no, the, um, the sent the super sentai footage for the japanese footage uh the yellow ranger was a man uh oh. yeah so god oh i didn't know that oh i'm so sorry rip uh but she was very loved too yes and she... um and it was very tragic and i've and i i know there, i know there's podcasts about the phenomenons and stuff like that but uh it, it was definitely a true a true crime thing that i knew that like just kind of blew my mind was... always or with the cancer. Was the, was it cancer? I don't remember. I thought it was a car accident. Wait, hold on. Let's Google. Um, while you're Googling, the Boom Studios, which is a comic 
book company, uh, an indie comic book company, I guess, uh, reimagined Power Rangers uh, for the modern age, except it's the original characters. And it kind of follows the same storyline and then injects new stuff that's interesting for the comics. And I, I, if you were a Power Rangers fan back in the 90s and enjoy comic books or the Power Rangers, I highly recommend it. It was good artwork and great story. I was thinking, I love that. Thank you for that. And I'm definitely going to check it out. But I, you were right, car accident. Um, I'm thinking of the girl that was um, on All Dogs Go to Heaven, that girl that was choosing a Ooh. bunch of stuff. Her dad killed her. Oh, no. uh, so I don't know. I got I got the stories. Well, across. So it could be the the Red Ranger from Power Rangers. I want to say it was called Wild Force. Oh, um, yeah. He stabbed his roommate with a I knew that katana. Too. Yeah. I knew that too. Yes. And um, my my friend who played the Blue Ranger in the traveling show was like, ooh, like it was a it was a controversy. Yeah. Um, and uh, I I just I don't know. We we you and I were kids. Like we just mm -hmm. we just saw it and we wanted to do karate kicks in the play playground. Yeah. Yep. That's all we wanted to do. <laughs> uh, the flying kick helped me in my first grade school fight. You know. Uh, <laughs> Did it really? My, my my first and only grade school fight. Uh, I love it. It started and yeah. your roundhouse kick was so good. Yeah. The, it, <laughs> It was the flying kick because all that momentum helped push back people so I could uh, run away and, and uh, cry. Um, <laughs> you and I would have been probably like such good friends on the playground, honestly, because right, I was right. a weird kid and weird nerdy kid and people picked on me. And uh, I'm sure you were too because you got in a fight. <laughs> well, uh, I, as, the, as a bigger kid, I, I found that I needed to go pacifist pretty early on or else I could uh, really do some damage because it was like all the people the people the smaller people always had the problems they, they were very um, I don't know what it was about picking on a bigger kid that helped shorter people but it was just <laughs> like I'm like you know I could just squash you if I want I could just I could just sit on you if I really wanted to but I don't. I, I'll just. I'll endure and and be the uh, Buddha in this case. Uh, just <laughs> very I love it. Um, so what? I always say I'm popular opinions. Uh, they're like buttholes. Everyone's got <laughs> one, um, and belly buttons. Uh, but uh, as long as they're not hurtful, meaning racist or homophobic or canceling people. Um, I'm okay with it. So what is one or a few of your popular opinions and why? I, I don't know which one to go with because I gave you two. And uh, I think uh, obviously my my big one that because I had to think hard about this because I, I usually get get along and don't have un, unpopular opinions as far as I'm aware. But uh, the Captain America Civil War, um, the the big movie where it was framed so that you like 50% of America sided with Captain America and 50% of the movie sided with Iron Man about these accords. Um, my my opinion on this movie is that Captain America is the antagonist of Captain America Civil War uh, because unlike in the comment the comics, uh, I, I read the comics as well. I was Team Cap in the comics. Don't you don't need to come at me, uh, but the in in the movies, the Sokovia Accords were agreed upon by the UN and 180 nations. It wasn't just the US trying to make superheroes register. And uh, they they signed it because they didn't want superpowered individuals to have carte blanche over the world. And Captain America is just like, no, I know better than everyone else. And um, plus, he is a super mustache twirling villain in this movie because oh he, he not only made out with his great niece, Oh or sorry no, no sorry sorry not, <laughs> that, that comes later that reveal comes comes much later but uh he made out with the great niece of his true love after burying her like three days earlier uh and then it turns out she is his great niece depending on which time travel theory you subscribe to for endgame so that's 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 what evil people do that's what villains do in every movie they they kill their loved ones and then make out with the, the <laughs> niece <laughs> yeah they're they're related younger uh, yeah, yeah yeah uh so uh captain america at uh disneyland whoever plays him is really annoying and doesn't know anything about <laughs> captain america um i mean he's probably fired now he probably lost his job <laughs> sorry yeah, yeah. um but uh yeah um i watched 
I watched Endgame and mm-hmm. my husband, like it, to get me to go to his nerd movies, he has to get me really, really drunk. So he bought me a bottle of wine and I drank it. And then he, yes. and then he loves to add, he loves to bring the movie poster up and be like, who's that? Who's this? So I called Thanos. I'm, I don't even know if this is the same movie. I called Thanos rock chin. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> I said rock ball chin. <laughs> so Scott has this video to this day. And when he's sad, he like watches it. Cause it's funny. Like, and I, and he's like, and he's like, who's that? And I was like, green goblin. He's like, no. <laughs> Who's that Catwoman? No. <laughs> like, um, That's amazing. So find yourself someone that you can feed a bottle of wine to just to go to this movie with you because they love you. And then just ask them about the movie things. I need you to like literally plot. You, you, I, I, Scott can never explain things to me without mansplaining it. So mm-hmm. you would actually like you explain cat this movie. You explain this movie in a way that I actually understood it for once in my freaking life. Uh, I- if you yeah just just let me know i can i can do an easy explanation for every movie i just did a rewatch uh last month uh while watching wandavision so yeah it's, it's yeah. all fresh in my mind well um, your second unpopular opinion needs to be voiced because i agree with you okay all right all right i got it i got it unless you have food allergies uh you're a child if you're picky about eating certain foods particularly if you've never tried it before I'm a foodie and I will try anything once. Uh, and also I may not like a certain ingredient or food, but I'll still eat it if it is served to me. There are people starving around the world. I 100% agree. And I grew up, my sister was super picky and I wasn't. And also my mom's favorite spice was parsley. So the food wasn't great that she cooked. <laughs> so I was just always trying anything and everything because I was uh, probably constantly hungry. I don't know. Um, but I, I definitely agree with that. I mean, I, there are certain things that I don't like, but I will still try them. Like I, but vehemently, I hate cantaloupe. Honeydew, hmm. cantaloupe, can't, no, yeah, don't like I, it. I don't, I don't like honey honeydew. I like cantaloupe. Uh, if if I am served honeydew at like a, a restaurant for breakfast, I'll eat it. If uh, I'll leave it for the last on my plate, but I will eat it if, if I'm still hungry. Um, it's it's like it's the people that are like, oh, I I I don't like uh, tomatoes because of the texture. Mm-hmm. sometimes things can then, have a really weird texture but but, but then I they dr- eat it. they they drown like their french fries and ketchup like immediately after saying that after picking a tomato out of a burger uh, they're like i don't like the flavor or texture of tomatoes and it's like you're eating ketchup i also think it's really funny when people have really low spice tolerances <laughs> yes yeah. because but then again like my body when i had a i had an appendectomy uh, a couple of years ago which was it was scary but it happened um and my, my poor husband that was when we first got married or yeah i think we were like a year into being married uh and uh it reset my gut biome and so like mm-hmm. i could suddenly sriracha and me not friends now it's been three years or so so i'm like my body like your body changes your taste buds change over time and stuff mm-hmm. But uh, I was really bummed because I do love sriracha. That, that's unfortunate. Yeah, I, I don't know what I would do if I couldn't eat spicy foods. Um, yeah. Even like, I'll, I'll get a little reflux now and then, but a little, a little Tom's or Pepto-Bismol. Yeah, yeah. And you, and you know you're getting old when you like, if you, if you drink something. If you drink a lot, go to Taco Bell at 2 a.m. and then in the morning start feeling acid reflux. I mean, what? No, yeah. uh, that's just a random thing. I have Tums at all times. It's it's really sad because I don't feel, I don't feel that much old. Like, I don't, I'm, I think age yeah. is just a number. I don't feel that old. I know, I know I'm in my thirties. I know I'm in my thirties uh, because I like one time, I think I fell asleep on my arm weird a couple of weeks ago. And then my whole entire body was like out of alignment. I need to be cracked like a glow stick, but that's just like, that's getting older. And, but you thirties are where you start to like, really feel like you're getting old. You're like, Whoa, yep. like can't do that anymore. Cause your twenties, you're like Gumby, bendy, twisty, like doing mm. whatever you want, like no consequences. And then your thirties come around and they go, Oh my dear. Yeah. Uh, you play softball once and then can't do anything for the rest of the week. And yep. then it's time for softball. And <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so um uh, i think we're coming towards the end of the show uh right. and wrapping up because you've got to you've got to get some disc your, your disc on later is it that's it's is it cold where you are in Cal- you're in california right yeah i'm in uh, san luis obispo oh so. cool i am i almost took a job out there for uh the guitar company that works there. that's there oh nice yeah it's a beautiful beautiful place out here um very 
Oprah called it the happiest place on earth or, or something like five, seven years ago when Oprah was still big. <laughs> Oprah, I, I, I don't, I'm not religious, but I do believe Oprah is God. So, um, <laughs> yeah. so I'm not, saying I, she, yeah. I'm not saying there is a God, but she is God. <laughs> so I always let people um, open the floor to, you know, plug whatever they need to do uh, and promote themselves. All and right. I can hear my dogs having a <laughs> stop it. Please. <laughs> I always tell people we're a low budget project. I, my puppy, he's almost one, but like oh. I, and he's really cute. And so it's forgivable. But um, I told my friend, I was like, can you bring him over at two? Because it, he's, they're not going to have the zooms out. Bourdain's not going to have any stop. And when my dog gets excited, he like makes this like noise. <laughs> so and that's what's happening. And it's like, you have just go anywhere else. And then if I shut the door, they, they, they scratch the door. Mm. Um, so then if I have the toys in here, they start squeaking them. I'm like, whatever, like, I'm just going to let it go. I'm sure, I'm sure there's like 45 puddles of pee from this dog. Cause it's oh, her, no. the other dog is 10 weeks old. Um, oh geez. So he's super cute. Okay. So I let my guest, uh, of course, thank you again for coming on the podcast. I let my guests uh, always my have the floor to promote whatever. And then of course, to my listeners, I put all of the links of whatever Brandon would like to report, promote, in the podcast so take it away uh all right so first and foremost since this is a podcast and i'm coming on from another podcast uh check us check me and my co-host andrew um who we've known each other since we were uh, three uh two or three and um we grew up uh, in the same neighborhood uh known each other all of our most of our lives um we have a podcast together called Name Me 90s. We call it a nostalgia slash comedy podcast uh, where we focus on a month in a year and um, per episode and try to remember our way through our childhood in the 90s. Uh, you can find us by going to namemeknineties.com. And if you need like a one of those link trees for all the different places that you can find us, go to namemeknineties.com slash listen. Uh, you can also find us on YouTube at namely90s.com slash YouTube. And then, uh, as mentioned before, I also have a wine edutainment series called Rewine with B. Schwitty, which you could find at rewindshow.com, and that'll take you directly to my YouTube page. And... Uh, do I have anything else to plug? I don't, I think that might be it. No, I mean, that was, that was uh, very, very professional because now you're going to hear me wrap it up and be just like you podcaster. Uh, thank you so much again for being on the podcast. And I really appreciate your perspective. You're a lot of fun. If you ever need anyone to just talk about just stupid crap from childhood, let me know. I'll come on any day of the week because I, I love nineties. Oh, love it. You're, you're already on the list for a few <laughs> Yay, I love it. Okay, but thank you again for taking the time. Enjoy your disc golf. And you. uh, all of the links are going to be that he's mentioned. Everything's going to be in the description. Go and check out his podcast. They're a hoot. They're really good. And if you're trying to learn about wine, go do that. Again, this is Please Don't Kick Me Out, the podcast about imposter syndrome. And you can find me online, www.pleasedontkickmeout.com, uh, where eventually we'll have merch, but it is a slow moving glacial ship. And if you like my podcast, please rate me a five on Apple podcast, tell a friend, share it, scream into a vortex. Again, Brandon, thank you so much. And I hope you have a lovely rest of your week. Thank you for having me. Hey listeners, I wanted to share a special promotion for you from Dash of Pep. Dash of Pep is a clothing boutique that offers non-binary clothing that has fun prints that support mental health and empowering you to be your best self. In this pandemic, it is great to shop small and support small businesses like Dash of Pep. More than 50% of my wardrobe is from her adorable store. Robin at Dash of Pep has graciously given me a promo code for you to use at checkout. Use P-D-K-M-O to receive 15% off your order. Again, that is www.dash of pep.com and you can enter p-d-k-m-o at checkout to receive 15% off your order. Oh. 
Oh my goodness, I am so excited to announce that of merch, it is my 90s fantasy, and I just have to say thank you to my friend, dear, dear friend, Lara, who is the second guest ever of my podcast. We just celebrated one year of the podcast. We now have a lovely website. She helped me help computer. Uh, and uh, so if you want to live your 90s fantasy, we've got mugs, we've got blankets, we've got fanny packs, we're, we're working on a denim jacket. There's a lot. There's a lot going on. So go to please don't kick me slash shop and buy some merch, y'all. This has been Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, like, comment, share, tell a friend. You know, that's how I'm going to keep these stories and going. Also, if you want to be a podcast guest, you can reach out to me at P. D-K-M-O podcast at gmail.com and we can get it set up. Thanks everyone for your continued support and I look forward to, you know, connecting with you again next Monday.